Luke 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? It's a valid question. <clears throat> the, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Last week, Sunday, we got up like you all did this morning, and we got the kiddos ready, and we headed to this service, to the 11 o'clock service. I'll be honest with you, we were running a little bit late, okay? Like, I don't work here anymore, and so I sometimes roll out of bed a little late uh, on Sunday morning. Um, and so we were heading here at the 11 o'clock service. We were coming down Jackrabbit, coming to the north on Jackrabbit, and we were going to take that right turn onto Baxter. And as we were getting ready to take that right turn onto Baxter, it was a little slick out. That intersection was a little slick. And so I'm slowing down, and I'm watching somebody right in front of me as the, as the uh, light turns yellow kind of uh, slide through the intersection, Right? I think, oh, okay, welcome to town. Um, welcome to Montana. Uh, and, and as I do that, I look in the rear view mirror and I see a maroon flash of something right on top of our vehicle as well. And we got smashed into uh, on our way to church last Sunday. Maybe you turned right and saw that Honda Pilot that was all jacked up. That was us. So um, we didn't come to church last week, uh, needless to say. We were, um, everybody was okay. Uh, we'll find out this week how okay the car is. It's still drivable and all that good stuff. But um, we were in an accident. And when we pulled in, I, you know, I was shook up. Um, Lori was pretty shook up. The kids were really shook up. Uh, and then, you know, Lori called uh, the police. And as soon as they showed up, I'm going to be honest with you, something just kind of came over me like a sense of peace. Like, I know a lot, a lot of guys and gals who work in the police department. I love our sheriff's department. I love our highway patrol. I have a ton of really good friends in both of those areas. And so uh, just felt this sense of calm, like these guys are going to take care of things, right? Protect and serve. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, they took care of us. They checked in on us. They, they figured out what was going on and, and how it all happened. And, and it was super smooth. And we ended up going home and uh, just kind of having lunch and rest of the normal day. And I was just so grateful, you guys. I was so grateful for those who serve 
and protect us. If you're here or you're online, you're serving and protecting us, I just want to say thanks. Uh, I just want to say thank you to you. You who serve in um, the military, you who serve uh, in, in all different areas of service around our town and around the world. I'm so, so grateful. Simon Sinek, in his book, Leaders Eat Last, he, he, he talked about the Marine Corps and, and, and how the Marine Corps has something really interesting that they do when they eat together. He, he said, hey, when the Marines get together, the the highest ranking, the highest ranking Marines, they eat last. And the lowest ranking, the most junior ranking Marines eat first. And, and the reason that they do that is because they know something important. They know uh, one of the central facts about being a Marine, being in the military, is that you would put yourself second. That leaders put others first. And so even in the smallest of ways, even when they're having meals, they're reminding themselves that that is where true leadership comes from. Serving is where true leaders are made. I got a question for you this morning. Who has served you well recently? Have you had anybody serve you well recently? Just like I had the, uh, the sheriff's office and, and all those folks, highway patrol served me well this past week. Have you been served well recently? Maybe uh, your kiddo in the room, all right? All right, I got a kiddo, right? Look that way, guys, okay? Those people serve you right there. Just say, thank you. Thanks, mom, dad, okay? Like, kiddos, your parents serve you. They serve you like crazy. They love you. They care for you. They're, they're, they're just there to serve tirelessly, honestly. Uh, maybe you've got a friend who recently stepped up and you had a really tough time you were going through and that friend just sat with you and was patient with you and loving toward you and helped you through that hard situation. Maybe you had a neighbor who shoveled your snow for you in the past week. We had this, we had this one guy in our neighborhood and he was just driving up and down the sidewalk, just, just blowing everybody's snow off of their sidewalks and he was serving so well. Maybe you had a great dinner recently, right? And you were like, man, I got served so, so well. When have you been served well recently? Let me flip that a little bit. When have you served well recently? When has been a moment that you have been able to serve someone well recently? See, that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about service. We're gonna talk about serving. Last week, we talked in our series, Making Room, uh, about your treasure. And this week, we're gonna talk about your talents, about how God has crafted you to serve others. We're gonna look at this story the story of Mary, and I got one big idea for you. It's the making room idea of the day, and here it is. It's that I want you to embody servanthood. Embody servanthood. See, as all in followers of Jesus, we are called to embody servanthood. If you're new around the faith, you're new around Christianity, I just want you to know that this is supposed to be, and not always is, but it's supposed to be one of the hallmarks of Christianity. We should be, and sometimes are, the most service-oriented people because that is one of the central pieces of who Jesus was and who we are called to be, those who embody servanthood. And I want to look at this, this beautiful little Christmassy passage about Mary and her encounter with the angel, and what we can learn about embodying servanthood from Mary. So let me give you a little backstory in this. Mary is 
She's pledged to be married to Joseph. Two young folks, unassuming, humble. They're, they're wonderful people, but, but there's nothing like outrageously special about them. They're like a lot of people in the Bible. God shows up to them and says, hey, I've got something for you to do. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And so Mary is betrothed to Joseph. And in the midst of that, an angel shows up to Mary. Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, hey, Mary, got a surprise for you. (laughs) You're going to become the mother of Jesus. You're going to embody servanthood. For nine months, you're going to have the savior of the world in your womb. Then you're going to give birth to that kid. And by the way, it's not going to be in a nice hospital. It's going to be in a really dirty stable with a bunch of animals. And you're still going to be poor, by the way. And you and Joseph are going to have to kind of figure it out. You're going to have to hide because there's going to be a king who's going to try to kill all the babies. And like, it's probably, it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard. And she's filled with questions, right? Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to embody, like I'm going to embody servanthood. That's what I want us to think about. We need to embody servanthood like Mary. She was going to give herself to this. She was going to, to become pregnant, to birth a child and to raise a child. Now I don't, listen, I don't know, I don't know much about uh, pregnancy. I'm just going to like not real experienced at it, guys, okay? Both kids through adoption. And um, like I had, a, I had three kidney stones. I don't know if that counts. I don't think it does. I don't, I had a lot of scowls right now from the ladies. Like, don't do that. Don't go there. You're too far already. Okay, I'll back up. I'll back up. All right. But is this, la- it's literally a labor of love, right? I do know that. It, it's giving yourself over to carrying a child, nourishing a child, that is within you. And then birthing that child and raising that child, it is like the ultimate form of servanthood and sacrifice. And this is what we are all called to. This is what we are all called to. And and Mary, Mary has some questions in this moment, right? Mary has some questions in this moment. So the the angel says, hey, hey, here's what's gonna happen. And, And so she asks this, very natural question. She says, how can this be, right? I know I'm, I'm engaged to Joseph, but we've been really good Jewish kids and, you know, like we're not biblically, we don't know each other biblically yet. So um, nobody got that joke. Anyway, okay, it's fine. Later, you'll get it later. All right. How can this be? It's a natural question. It's a question that gets asked throughout scripture quite often, in fact. There are characters throughout the Bible that ask this same question, characters that God comes to and says, I have a mission for you. I have a purpose for you. I have something for you. And they respond with the same question that Mary asked. How can this be? Let me give you a couple examples. Number one, uh, Moses. You heard about Moses? Even if you're not, you're not familiar with the Bible, familiar with the church, Charlton Heston, big stone tablets, let my people go. Okay, that's Moses. Now Moses is charged to go to the Pharaoh and to ask that God's people, the Israelites, be released so that they can go to the promised land. And Moses' response to that is, I don't, I, don't, I, don't talk, I don't talk good. That's my version. I don't talk good, God, right? He's actually not good with speech. And so how is he gonna go in front of 
the Pharaoh, how's he going to command any respect? How's anybody actually going to respond to him if he can't even put together a sentence? God says to him, no, I'll give you your brother Aaron. Aaron's going to speak with you on your behalf, but this is your responsibility, your job. You were made for this. But Moses is like, how can this be? Like, why me? How can this possibly be? I'll give you another example. Uh, David, King David, right? It wasn't always King David in the Bible. He was little shepherd boy David. Little shepherd boy David, he goes to take food and provisions to his brothers who are on the front lines. They're in the military and they're fighting against the Philistines and the Philistines are this, this terrible enemy and, and every day this giant comes out and, and he ridicules them. And, and, and David stares out and goes, why isn't anybody taking care of that giant? Why isn't anybody stepping out there and taking care of that giant? And he says, I'll take care of that giant. In that moment, David's not asking, how can this be? But everybody else is, right? <laughs> Everyone else is like, wait a minute, David, shepherd boy. Why don't you slow your roll a little bit, okay? Like, you're not gonna wear, you're not wearing armor. You're not, you're, you're like, you got a sling and some rocks and you're gonna go take care of the giant. How can this be? Character after character after character in the Bible who would say, how, how are you going to use me, God? Like, you know me, you know my faults, you know my shortcomings. How, how, how can this be? And I don't just think that's the question for Mary. I think that's the question for us today. If we want to embody servanthood, then we need to overcome this hurdle of excuses, this hurdle of saying, I don't have the time or I don't have the talent we need to say, how can, we're going to ask this question, how can this be? I know we're going to ask this question. I've asked this question in my life. God says, hey, I've got things for you, plans for you, purposes for you. And man, I'm really, really good. I don't think I'm the only one in the room who's really good at coming up with the reasons why God should use someone else. So how can this be? That's what I want us to engage with this morning. I want to take a look at two lessons from this text. Just two simple lessons for us that will help us engage with this question, how can this be? How can we embody servanthood? So two lessons we can embody as well. Number one, number one, you are uniquely gifted for God's purposes. You are uniquely gifted for God's purposes. See, Mary is uniquely gifted to be the mother of Jesus. She is humble and she is obedient. These are two of the things that we know most clearly about Mary. Throughout her life, we know that she treasures things in her heart, that she's attentive to Jesus, that she's humble before God, and that she's obedient to God. And I have no doubt that Mary was chosen as the right one because God said she has the gifts, she has the abilities, she is uniquely wired for this job. Can I say this to you? You are uniquely gifted for the purposes and plans that God has for you. I love talking about gifting. I love getting with folks and saying, hey, let's talk about your gifts your superpowers and your kryptonites. I wanna talk about all of them. 
I want to talk about the greatest things and then your limitations so we can get a really good picture of like self-aware picture of how God has made you, what he has made you for and what he has made you not for. And I think this is like, I say this way often, which is self-awareness is the gift that only we can give to ourselves and most of us don't give it. So like we want to be so self-aware of the gifting that God has given to us and each of you are uniquely wired and uniquely gifted for what God has for you. Let me give you some examples. Some of you know how to maximize things. You just know. You know how to maximize money. You know how to maximize businesses. You know how to maximize people. And you just wake up and you're like, I grow things. I, don't, like, I, I just know how to make things grow and get better. I don't, I don't know why, but I, I just know that. That's your gift. God has gifted that to you. You're wired for that purpose. Some of you wake up and go, I'm really good at helping, but that doesn't seem like much of a gift. What are you talking about? That's a huge gift. You wake up and you think, man, I wish I could just, I could help somebody. I wake up thinking and excited about helping somebody maybe take their next step in life. That's a gift that God has given to you that you might use it for his purposes. Some of you are incredibly hospitable. I've used, this, I've used this illustration before. Some of you just always have a cheese platter. I don't know why you have a cheese platter, but you always have a cheese platter. Like I show up at your house and you're like, hey, I got cheese platter. I'm like, okay, you, you're always at Costco. Okay, we get it. You got great candles and you got cheese platters. We love it, right? That, God has put that in you. God has put that in you. You're, you've been given children God has put it into you, in you to be their parents. God has given you a spouse. God has put it in you. He has gifted you to be the spouse to, to that person. God has gifted you. And I want you to see this so, so clearly. I work with a lot of folks now that we, we talk about something called the working genius. We did this here uh, a couple of years ago at the church and it's this really cool Patrick Lencioni new tool. I would highly recommend checking it out, workinggenius.com. I don't get nothing for that, but you should check it out because it's amazing, right? And what it does is it talks to you about your productivity and your giftings in productivity, the things that bring you joy and purpose in how you can be productive, and it gives you two things called working geniuses. And I love talking with people about their working geniuses, the things that they're really good at and bring purpose and joy to their lives. And I always get to go to this place where I say, do you know that God put that in you? That's how you were crafted? That's how you were created? And if you're wondering, like, how do I, I don't know what my gifts are. I just say, do something like that. Some sort of assessment, maybe ask somebody, hey, what do you think I'm gifted at? What do you think I'm uniquely gifted at? Because God has uniquely gifted you for the purpose that he has for you. He specifically gifted Mary for this. He knew that Mary was gonna be the mother of Jesus and she was the one that he had chosen to do his purposes. So you are uniquely gifted for God's purposes. Number two, you are given God's spirit and his power to do whatever he asks of you. You are given God's spirit and his power to do whatever he asks of you. I'm gonna go back to the text. I'm not gonna put this on the screen. I just want you to listen to this, okay? 
So Mary says, how can this be? And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power and the same spirit that is with Mary in her pregnancy. The same spirit and the same power that came upon the disciples when they birthed the church, right, was on Mary when she birthed Jesus. The same power and the same spirit is given to us as well. For those of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus, you said, I surrender my life to Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior. His spirit and his power is with you. This is the story of scripture, that God is madly in love with you and wants to be with you. He's not some guy on a cloud with a lightning bolt ready to throw it at you. Some of you thought, he's gonna hit me with a lightning bolt because I haven't been to church in a while. No, 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 this is not our God. Our God is a God who wants to be with us, so much so that when Jesus ascends to heaven, he sends his spirit and his power to all of his followers that they may still be with him. See, the world calls us a conscience. But if you're a Christian, you don't have a conscience. You have the Holy Spirit power within you to make the right decisions, to respond to the voice of God, to hear God's promptings in your life. And here's what this should do to you. It should empower you and it should humble you. That's what it does to me. It should empower me and humble me. It empowers me waking up in the morning and going, God is with me. He's not against me. God's spirit is is with me. God's power is with me, guiding and leading me through my day. I mean, if God is with me, then what cannot be done, right? I'm limited, but God is not. It empowers me and then it humbles me, right? Because here's, here's the deal. If it's God's power and God's spirit that is working through us, guess who gets the credit, you guys? God does. We don't. It's just about what God is doing in our lives. We don't just stand up here and be like, look at what I've done. No, no, no. Look at what God's spirit and his power has done. Look what God has done. So you've been a uniquely wired for the purposes and plans that God has for you. And you have been empowered. And God's spirit is with you to guide you and lead you in whatever he asks you to do. It's the same with Mary. Power of the most high overshadows her. The Holy Spirit comes upon her. Throughout scripture, we see this picture time and time again that the Holy Spirit, it leads and it guides and it empowers and it humbles us to live fully for Jesus, you are uniquely gifted for God's purposes and you are given God's spirit and his power to do everything he asks of you. This is what will help us to embody servanthood, to do whatever God asks of us because we are gifted to this. We are empowered for this. We can embody servanthood. And so the question is, if that's true, what do we, what do? We do? And, and for Mary, she had to answer that same question. I mean, what was her response? You're gonna be empowered by the Spirit. You're gonna be given his power. Mary, God has favored you. And, and Mary can respond in that moment, right? And this is what, how Mary responds. 
Mary responds by saying, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. I like playing these kind of what if games around scripture, right? Okay. Um, I love asking this question, like, what if Mary had said no, (laughs) right? I mean, I know it wasn't in God's plan. I get it. I get sovereignty of God, you guys. I'm good. Yep, I got it, okay? But just play with me for a minute here, okay? Just what if, let's just, what if, what if Mary had said, you know, you know, God, I'm really busy. Like, I'm really busy. Got some, I got, like, I got camels to take care of, right? I got a donkey over here and, like Joseph is a carpenter, so he drives the canyon every day. It's a lot. It's a lot, God. I don't, I don't know if I have the time for it. What, what, if, what if she had said, no, you know what, God, I don't want to be wrong my whole life, right? Like she's raising Jesus. Like I know you think your kid was perfect, but he was actually perfect, okay? It's like, mom, you're wrong, and she's actually wrong, right? That never, like, it just never happens in my house. Mom's never wrong, actually. But in Jesus' house, mom, mom was always wrong and Jesus was always right. It's crazy, right? Like, he she could have said, no, no, I don't, I don't want that responsibility. That seems too big for me. That seems like too much for me. I don't want to give myself to that. that. That's overwhelming. Can't you pick somebody else, God? What if Mary had said that? What if Mary had made excuses What if Mary had outright denied, not responded, I am the Lord's servant, what if? And that's the question that should propel us this morning. The question we all have to ask for ourselves, and that is the big question for us. How will you respond? How will you respond to embodying servanthood? How will you respond? How will I respond? I said this a little bit earlier. What if we were known as the most servant-minded people of all? What if we were less known for our squabbling? What if we were less known for our opinions? What if we were less known for our gossip and our politics? And what if we were more known for being the best servants ever? What if we woke up every day saying, no one else can embody servanthood except for a follower of Jesus like me. That is what God has put me on this planet for. To embody servanthood. To be like Jesus. This is what Jesus did. Jesus embodied servanthood. He embodied servanthood on the cross. He embodied servanthood by giving up his heavenly throne and becoming a child, a helpless child to Mary and Joseph. He was serving even when he left and is now preparing a place for us someday. Like this is what he promised his disciples. He said, hey, I'm leaving you, but I'm gonna leave you with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna leave you with the counselor. You're gonna be empowered. You're gonna have my spirit, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. Why? Because he's a servant. It's one of the most singular facets of who Jesus is that I think we need to grasp better. And, and here's the thing, he didn't say no. So how can we? How will you respond? How will I respond? How will we respond? Yes or no? That's the question before us every single day. And I want us to respond with an overwhelming yes. 
Because play that, play that game out with Mary, right? What if Mary said no? What if you say no? Will someone else go talk to your neighbor about Jesus? Maybe, maybe not. Will someone else serve the person who no one else will serve? Maybe, maybe not. Will someone else have the same gifting and ability to give of themselves? Maybe, maybe not. See, church, I I just think we need to embrace this more. I think we need to hang on to this. I think we need to wake up every day saying, what is my response? Yes or no? Am I going to embody, embody servanthood or not? How will you answer, church? Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. Such an identity statement. This is who she is. This is who we should be. If we follow after Jesus, if we follow after the one who served, then we should serve as well. If he said he came to serve, not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many, then what would our response to that be? The natural response should be, yes, I am the Lord's servant, just like Mary. So I wanna make this, response really practical. I want to make a a making room response. Trying to make room, make room in this series. And and I want us to make room in really tangible, practical ways. So a making room response. I want us to embody servanthood through extravagant hospitality. I want us to embody servanthood through extravagant hospitality hospitality. Here's what I mean by that. So I've got a a really good friend. His name is AJ Culp. He is outrageously smart. I just try to keep up with him when he's around. And he, uh, PhD from Bristol in England. He's all fancy like that. And he works at a big church in Georgia. And he came out uh, a couple weeks ago and we spent some time on the river fishing and just talking. And he said, man, I'm working on this new idea. And if, if you know AJ, when he says, I'm working on a new idea... Like, oh, what is it, right? Because this dude spent like three years in the book of Deuteronomy, okay? He's like uber nerd, all right? But when he comes up with something, it's incredible. And so he said, I'm working with this, this new idea. And the idea is that God reveals himself as extravagantly hospitable. That the God who reveals himself throughout the Old Testament and culminates in the New Testament in Jesus shows us extravagant hospitality. And here's what he means by that. He said to me, the beginning of the story is that God invites us in. He invites Adam and Eve into relationship with him. He invites them in. He says, come have a seat at my table. Come walk with me in the garden. Come hear my voice. Like this is not the choice I would make if I was God. I'd be like, ah, man, you got some problems, Brian. Like, uh, no, no, he invites us in. He invites his people in throughout the Old Testament. He invites them to meet with him, to know him, to dwell with him. He he invites them to, to be provided for in the wilderness by him. 
that he would, he would provide them with food, that he would provide them with water, that, that a, a, a pillar, a cloud would go by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead the people because he's inviting them into the promised land. Story after story talks about this extravagant hospitality of God that he invites you in. If the sheep is lost, what does the shepherd do? The shepherd runs and goes and finds that sheep and brings that sheep home on his shoulders. If that son runs away, the father is sitting on the front porch, staring out, waiting for his son to return. And when he sees his son on the horizon, he runs to his son, throws his robe on him, his ring on him, kisses his face and says, come on, let's party. He invites us in to this. He's the God of invitation. He is the God of hospitality. And that's what I want to invite you into as well. So practically, you can, you can sign up to be hospitable around here around the holidays. Like one service, you guys. One gathering out of the five. Just sign up to do something. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be hospitable. Invite someone in, Okay? Help out in base camp, help out with a greeter, help out in security, help out with coffee team. God has uniquely wired you and you are empowered, right? And you have God's spirit, you ain't got no excuses. That's not in this text, there's no excuses in this text, okay? Take it up with the Bible, all right? So sign up, help out with that. Go further than that. Invite somebody to church. Like what if you don't? Are you gonna assume that your neighbor's gonna invite them to church? I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that. Invite them to church, invite them to Christmas. They're gonna hear an incredible storytelling of Christmas. I heard there's gonna be Legos, spoiler alert. It's gonna be awesome, you guys. I'm just telling you, it's amazing. I saw a little thing. Okay, it's gonna be amazing. Um, and even more than that, can I say this? Invite them into your homes. Invite them into your lives. Like the, I know that, um, okay, some of us who like have lived here a long time, it's like, oh, growing pains of Bozeman. But listen, all those people, all those people are coming to a new place and many of them don't have a place to have Christmas this year. No family here, they don't have friends here. And I know the jokes about bad drivers who run into you on a frozen road on your way to church. I know those jokes, okay? (laughs) But like, what if nobody invites them in? What, What if we could be the most hospitable person in our neighborhood. What would that do? See, God invited you in so that you might invite others in. God brought you to his table so you can bring others to, your ta- to his table as well. God gave you mercy and grace and love. He lavished it upon you that you might lavish it upon others. How will you respond? Heavenly Father, I pray for those in the room uh, and online right now who have not yet received and responded to your invitation to come home, to come sit at the table, to come feast with you. I pray, God, that you would stir in their hearts right now and, and that you would make this real to them that you desire to be with them, to be their savior, to be their Lord. I pray that they would respond to 
you, even in this moment. And God, I pray for those in this room who have responded, and yet, God, um, we have stopped responding, and, and we need your spirit. We need your power. We need you to lead us and guide us that we might embrace this, that we might embody this. And Jesus, I thank you in advance for what, what's gonna happen in the next couple of weeks, that as we embrace this together as a church, as we become welcoming and invitational and hospitable, God, that, that it would just change our lives and so many lives around us and that you would receive all the glory and the honor forever and ever, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.